This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. There are so many choices when it comes to selecting the right financial institution. Start with the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. We're right here in your city. We're also the official credit union of Temple University, and anyone who lives, works, worships, and studies in Philadelphia can open an account with convenient locations throughout our city of brotherly love. Also online at pfcu.com with free online and mobile banking. We're not here for our profit, here for yours. Federally insured by NCUA. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. An Odyssey station. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios. Where relationships matter. This is Talk Radio 1210. WPHT. It's good news in real estate. If you're a homeowner, if you're selling a home, or perhaps purchasing a home or vacation property, welcome to our home. It's good news in real estate. Presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Your hosts for the next radio hour. The mortgage mom, Deanne Kitsaris, along with real estate veteran and owner-operator of the Philadelphia Real Estate Class. Mark Cumberland. Your real estate education starts right now. It's good news in real estate. Presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Good afternoon. Get ready to laugh and learn on good news in real estate here on 1210 WPHT. I'm Mark Cumberland along with my co-host, the mortgage mom, Deanne Katsaris. How are you, Deanne? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you? I'm very good. Very sunburned. So we're excited to be here every Saturday afternoon at 1 o'clock on WPHT Talk Radio 1210. If you want us to ask a question about mortgages, commercial, residential real estate, give us a call. We always answer. My number is 267-266-5501. What's your number, Deanne? My number is 609-605-7153. And we're here to keep you informed every week because we're the only real estate show in the fifth largest media market in the country. And you can listen to this show and past shows at our webpage, goodnewsinrealestate.com, and also at WPHT's website. So what's coming up today? Coming up on today's show, Mark, we have the market report. Yes. We have our business tips with Asking Dr. A. Continuing series. We have Mark's funny story. Got one for you. And we also have our mortgage mom topic. Which is what? It's arm day. Arm day. Hmm, <laughs> interesting. Mark, we also have our questions. If a counteroffer is made on a contract signed by the buyer and the buyer refused to sign the counteroffer, what is the status of the original offer? Good question. Next question is, when submitting a bid on a home, how long does the seller have before answering the bid? Next question is, my husband and I own an apartment and are considering turning it into a condominium. Can you give us advice as to how, about, how to go about doing so? All right. Next question is, what should I do if I have a bad real estate agent or realtor and I want to make a complaint? <laughs> Next question is, do I have to tell my mortgage company that I am renting the property? Go on. Mark, we also have our topic of the day and there are 10 myths buyers and sellers believe in the current market. I'm going to try to get through all 10. I don't know if I'll be able to do it, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but first, give us your motivational quote. And the motivational quote is, you become what you give your attention to. So whatever f- you're focused on, that's what happens. Thoughts are things. So, so you got to get focused, and then whatever you focus on, it will become reality. Correct. So where are we at? So, Mark, we are up to the market report. And there is the bell. 
So how fast your local housing market is cooling amid the great deceleration. That's what one uh, Forest magazine is to calling it. Housing data rolled in for April and May, and it tells us the housing market's unprecedented acceleration. We saw a record 20.6% year-over-year jump in home prices. That's a lot, man. 20%. That means if you bought a house last year, it's worth 20, 20% more this year. That's crazy. Between March 21st and the 22nd is either on pause or over. In the coming months, don't get confused by lagging home prices. All signs point to a slowdown in the rate of home price growth. We shall see about that. At, at Fortune Magazine, they dubbed it the Great Deceleration. The driving force behind the Great Deceleration is the Federal Reserve, which I don't trust these people whatsoever. <laughs> Over the six past, six past months, the average 30 fixed rate has jumped from 3.11% to over 5%. Yeah, it's closer to Fed, six, actually. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. As the Fed has moved into a infl- fight inflation mode, which doesn't seem to be working to me. I don't know. Well, of what course, would make them think it would? I know. I think if they turned on the valve from Canada to U.S. for the oil, that would solve a lot of problems. A lot of problems. 6,000 products are made out of oil. But they never talk about that part. But also see some bars who must meet lenders' stricter debt-to-income ratios lose their mortgage eligibility altogether. But see, that's not true, Mark. It's not stricter DTI. It's just that the rates went up. I'm not just saying. This is proof. These are opinions. I know, but I don't like that opinion because it's, you know what opinions are. Right. But there is also that problem. Like people were going to buy a $300,000 house. Now they're looking at two seventy five. Understood. But that's because of stricter guidelines. It's just that the rate doubled since, you know, 2020. Yep. So now they don't qualify. The, the biggest indication of coin comes from the housing market's premier lending indicator inventory. The pandemics or the pandemics. No, Joke. you did it right. <laughs> Housing boom saw inventory, the number of unsold listings fall to a four-decade low. By March, nationwide inventory on Zillow were 64% below March of 2019. But as mortgage rates approached 5% this spring, inventory levels began to rise a little bit between March 26th and May 7th. And they rose 10%. But 10%, like in Philly, there was like 4000 for sale. Yeah, it's so not even putting a dent in 10%, it. 10%. Yeah, don't even put a dent in it. You're talking hundreds. For me, the best part of the housing market in 2022 is the rise of inventory. We'll wait to see how that goes. They had, uh, you know, they had the sellers had too much pricing power. They pushed process way too high. So heading into t- further into 22 has already already on the higher mortgage rate bandwagon it's the only way to rein in they think unsavagely unhealthy housing market lack of inventory as home shoppers temporarily delay their purchase in the face of rising rates that gives the inventory breathing room it needs to rise when those buyers in the renter market in their theory they find inventory even higher field pressures to overbid which was really happening. That was out of control. You know, everybody's hoping that the higher rates do their thing, but I don't know about it. It's We've raised the rates now a couple of times and inflation went up. And it's only causing a panic. Yep. Soon afterwards, inventory finally started to rise. That only picked up steam, steam through April and all 83% of the nation's 400 
largest housing markets saw inventories rise over recent weeks. The biggest jump in inventories were in Idaho, Reno, Oregon, Flagstaff, Arizona, and Manchester, New Hampshire. Home buyers shouldn't get too excited yet. While inventory levels are rising fast, they think in some areas they're still far below pre-pandemic levels. You know, so like Philly, where I don't see the big impact in Philly yet in our metro market at all. Not at all. The housing market is still savagely unhealthy because of the low inventory levels. In order for us to return to a normal housing market, the economic models show we need to see a national rise to a range of 1.52 million more units to 1.93 million more units. And the builders are 5 million units behind. National Association of Realtors' latest inventory had us at a million three units, which is way low. Way low. Yeah. So the biggest fear is the mortgage rates. One of the fears is what happens if the mortgage rates start to fall again? Then all that momentum's lost. If that happens, the deceleration could get on pause. So anyway, they're they're encouraged that there's some inventory rising year over year, but I, I just think the public doesn't know what's going on is one of the biggest problems because the real estate market is in pretty good shape, except for the lack of inventory, and the media don't talk about good news. So unless you tune in here every Saturday afternoon at one o'clock, you're yeah. not hearing any detail. So I think I them. think the market. I think everybody is a little confused, to say the least. Everybody's confused because yeah. they have no clue. Right. I just was in front of a brand new set of classes. They had no clue what's going on. Exactly. Tell us about the rates. All right. So your rates, Mark. You're looking at a 30 year fixed, conventional at six percent. Your 15 year fixed is at five point two five percent. You have your five one arms at five point three three percent, and actually they're down a little bit. They're around four and a half percent. And your 30 I remember year, a couple of years ago, they were at like 1.2%. I know. <laughs> we were just talking about that. And then your 30-year FHA is at 5.75%. So, yeah. you know, it's still a great time to buy. You know, the rates, people say the rates are going up. They're up to where they normally should be. You know, have they doubled since 2020? Yeah, but that that rate at 2.5%, 25 Three seven five. Those were insane rates. That was not the norm. So, yeah. and most people don't even know what happened back in the eighties, right? You know, when right. we were at third, when we were between fifteen and twenty percent, and inflation was at twenty percent. I think inflation in Philly is probably at around eleven percent. Eleven percent. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see when the next report out. That eight six number is old now. Right. Right. So right. Right. The market's in not bad shape. It's still a great time to buy, and it's the best time ever to sell. Yeah, there's a lot of options, and I'm going to go over that um, on the Mortgage Mom segment. So, All right. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, all positive, all the time. We'll be right back. On behalf of the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, we hope you're enjoying Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland. The Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, not here for our profit, here for yours. Welcome back to Good News from Real Estate here on 1210 WPHD All Positive All The Time. Where are we at, Dan? So, Mark, we are up to your funny story. 
So I got one for you. So this realtor's out dining alone. He's in a fancy restaurant. There's this gorgeous redhead sitting at the next table. And he noticed her since he sat down. But he lacked the nerve to talk to her. Suddenly, she sneezed and her glass eye came flying out of its socket towards the man. Oh, my God. He, out of reflexes, he reached out. He grabbed it out of the air and handed it back to her. He said, oh, my, I'm so sorry, the woman said. She popped her eye back in place. She goes, let me buy you dinner to make it up to you. They enjoyed a wonderful dinner together afterwards. They went to a theater followed by drinks. They talked. They laughed. They shared their deepest dreams. He shared his. She listened to him. After paying for everything, she asked him if he'd like to come to her place for a nightcap and stay for breakfast. They had a great, wonderful time. Next morning, she cooked a gourmet breakfast for him with all the trimmings. Guy was amazed. Everything seemed so incredible. He goes, you know, he said to her, he goes, you're amazing. Are you this nice to every guy I meet? She goes, no, nah, not really. You just happen to catch my eye. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. If you have a funny story you'd like to hear, send it to 8029 at Comcast.net or give us a call at 267-266-5501. And now it is time for the Mortgage Mom segment with Deanne Katzara. She's giving you all great news about <laughs> the mortgage industry. And her topic is... It's arm day. There you go. Does that, does that mean I get a rifle or something? No. What does that it's, mean? It's arms. You know, you put your arms up like this and you kiss one oh, side yeah. and you kiss the other side. <laughs> For those of us that work out. Anyway, um, you know, with, with the rising rates, wanna, you want to have some options. And there's a lot of misconceptions about the arms, which is an adjustable rate mortgage. Like what exactly does that mean? And again, like I had mentioned, there's a lot of misinformation out there. So I want to just try to clarify. It's going to be a little difficult just because it's a lot easier when you have a whiteboard in front of you. But when you see arms out there, again, that's an adjustable rate mortgage. You're seeing things like a 3-1, a 5-1, a 7-1, a 10-1. Now, those are all 30-year term fixed mortgages, okay? But the three, the five, the seven, and the 10 determines how long your rate is fixed for, right? So let's take, for example, um, a 5-1 arm. The 5-1 arm means that your rate will stay the same for five years. When, those, when that five years is up, your rate will adjust every year after that, and that's the one. Now, when you're, Does that mean it, it automatically goes up or could it go down? It depends. It could go up or it could go down, okay? Right. But it adjusts roll of dice. one time every year. And it's not really a roll of dice. That's what a lot of people think. But you do have protections with what we call your caps. So basically, you can also see a 3.6, a 5.6, a 7.6, and a 10.6. And that just means that the rate goes up one time every six months. So it all depends on what the term is that you're locking in. Are you going to have an adjustable rate in every six months after the five-year term, or is it going to be one year after the five-year term? Okay. And the question is, you know, what it, before I get into what does it adjust to, you have to qualify because um, if we're going to qualify, let's say right now my arm rate is at four and a half percent where the actual rate today for a 30-year fix is 6.25%. Right. 
You have to qualify 2% higher than what the arm rate is. So if you're at four and a half percent, your debt to income ratio needs to be in line with six and a half percent. That's 2% more than what it normally, what the 30 year fixed rate is. Let me is. ask you a question that for the, so the audience understands. Like who's, who's the typical type buyer that would do this? Well, and that's a great question because, you know, most people think, why would I do this? And I've been explaining to a lot of the clients that most people don't stay in the same loan for 360 payments. They no. refinance anywhere from five to seven years, whether that yep. is to take cash out, to get a lower rate, to get rid of PMI. I mean, if everybody kept their loan for 360 payments, we'd both be out of business. No doubt. Right? So like right now we're looking to purchase a property and I'm probably going to go with the 5-1 arm because the rates are going to come down. And you also have the option of no prepayment penalty. But, you know, what does it adjust to? And there's two factors that you have to keep in mind. You have the margin, which is a fixed amount. Okay, this is how they determine what your rate is going to adjust to. You have your margin and you have your index. Now, the margin never changes. That's a fixed amount. And that right now is around 2.25%, anywhere to 2.375%. So that margin is fixed for your loan. Now, the index, this is the one that you need to keep an eye on, and this is the one that can change. And this index is based on what's called the LIBOR. It's the London Interbank Offer Rate. Now, there's been some spec, you know, some things going back and forth, and a lot of the banks are no longer going off the LIBOR. They're going off of the SOFR, which is the Secured Overnight Financing Rate. So, Mark, how do you determine what that rate's going to be when it comes time to adjust? Okay. So when that com time comes to adjust, you're going to take your margin, which again is the fixed rate, and you're going to look at the index, which is going to either be the SOFR or it's going to be the index. And right now, the SOFR is at 0.75%. You're going to add that to your margin, and now you're going to be at 3.5%. So if we did a 5-1 arm at 4.5%, now my rate just went to 3.5%. So it went down. Yeah. So which is good news. It is good news. So it can go up and down. And the way that you have protection is by what your caps are. Now, along with seeing some of this information about the arms, you're going to see all these numbers like a 225, a 226, a 525. And that's just determining over the lifetime of the loan what it could actually what actually could be your max. And again, it's a little complicated, but there is protection. Like when you get into that 225, it's letting you know that your rate cannot adjust more than 2%. So if somebody comes up and says, well, what if my, the rate's at 12%? Well, that doesn't apply to you because you have the caps right. and the caps are protecting you. Same thing with the floor. It's the lowest that your rate can go to. So, and these kind of loans, I in my career, are people. There's a lot of people that like CEOs that are move. They move around a lot. Transients, yeah. And maybe they're going to be in. They're going to be in Philly for maybe five, six years, right? And they and but they want to buy something because they can afford it, 
yep. rather than rent. So they'll buy something with a five-year arm because they're not going to be here that long. That's exactly right. And and in this market, you know, why pay six and a half percent when you can pay four and a half percent? Exactly. So, you know, there's- And then a, you're appreciating at 20% a year. Right. <laughs> right. You know. Right. I mean, there's a lot of options. You know, there's ways to pay down your mortgage early. You could do this um, this 5-1 or 7-1 and with different programs that are available, Mark, you could have this mortgage paid off in seven years. So it's something wow. definitely to take advantage of. I'm sure there's a lot of questions and please don't hesitate to give me a call. Imagine being a CEO coming into town, buying a million dollar property, seven years have it paid off and walk away with a check. Yeah, for sure. Definitely, you know, definitely a possibility. Um, but there's going to be questions out there. You know, you have to determine what's best going to fit your needs. So not everybody, the arm's not for everybody. Maybe some people no. just don't feel comfortable with it and that's okay, but at least know what your options are. So at that point, you know, give me a call. I'll review it with you. 609 605 7153. I'll be happy to explain it. Can you do them on an investment piece? You cannot. It's a primary or a second home. Oh, really? Yep. I can't say I'm going to live in that one. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> You're going to come by and see if I'm there? Um, yeah, they actually will. So you don't want to commit right. mortgage fraud because then I'll be coming to visit you somewhere else. Yeah, in prison. <laughs> All right, coming All up right, next. All right, that was a good topic. Thank right. you. And coming up next is our questions and answers. All right, so with that, you're listening to Good News and Real Estate here on 1210 WPHT, all positive all the time. We'll be right back. Deanne and Mark are halfway through this week's edition of Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. When the show returns, more real estate news from around the Delaware Valley. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All right. Welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive all the time. So where are we at, Deanne? So, Mark, we are up to our question and answer segment. All right. So what's the first one? We got some good questions. Um, the first one is, if a counteroffer is made on a contract signed by the buyer and the buyer refused to sign the counteroffer, what is the status of the original offer? It's void. Uh you know, they signed the off. The contract was signed by the buyer. The buyer was a counter offer made. The buyer refused to sign it. So now that offer is technically void. Every time a an addendum is done to a contract and somebody doesn't sign off, the offer is invalid. That's why when I used to teach agents, you know, they always come up with these brilliant ideas and they love to tinker. <laughs> so they want to send something to a seller and say, you know, we were thinking about, you know, that above the ground pool in the yard, we would like you to remove that. So we're <laughs> going to send you an addendum. And I'm like, you know what? You're giving this seller the opportunity to say no. And somebody else came and would talk to them on the side and said, we'll give you an extra 20000 And now they can take that offer because your offer is dead. Right. Once you start tinkering with contracts, you leave an opening for the buyer or the seller to walk Spot, away. Yep, to get out. So, you know, why don't you just wait on that? And, you know, how much is it to take down an above-the-ground pool? 
I risk that losing this house. So do not tinker in the middle of your pending stage where you give openings to the buyer and the seller. Like last week, we did a topic on buyer's remorse. You have somebody with really bad buyer's remorse and you give them an opening to get out, they're out. Right. So it's best not to tinker <laughs> unless it's something really important. What's the next All one? right. The next question is when submitting a bid on a home, how long does the seller have before actually answering? Well, in the contract itself, when you submit an offer, you give the seller a time frame to review the offer and give you an answer back. Now, in this crazy market, some agents are doing stupid things like they write the offer today and they give them the 12. They, they, and this is the uh, mentality of the realtor. This is a bad mentality. So the realtor's mentality is we wrote the offer today and we gave, dropped it off at the seller's house or the agent's house or the agent's office. And we gave them till 12 noon tomorrow to give us an answer. So now I'm the listing agent and I got like four or five offers. And this guy's telling me I got to give him an answer by 12 o'clock tomorrow. Well, if I don't get that done, if I can't arrange, because everybody's busy, my sellers are at work. I can't meet with them till tomorrow night, at least at six. That offer is now void because you gave them till 12 noon and 12 noon came and went and we didn't respond. So now you don't have a deal. So you don't even have to review your deal. Now, usually you got to use your head. If it's July 4th weekend and you write a deal on Friday and you and the, by chance the sellers are going away for a long weekend because this July 4th is on a Monday. So they're probably not coming back to Monday night and you want to answer by Sunday. That's probably not going to happen. Right. So use your head. You know, you don't want to give them too long, but. You don't want to make it too short that they can't even get it done because now you actually put an end date on your bid. They don't even have to review your bid after 12 p.m. tomorrow. Yeah, so the problem, I used to have though, agents. Yeah, know, I used to have agents do this to me back in the early 2000s when we were in a seller's market. And I was like, why are you trying to dictate how I run my business? First it's, of all, I got the contract you know three o'clock. It's emotional. I got the clock. Yeah, I got the contract three o'clock this afternoon. You want me to meet with the sellers tonight and give you an answer by twelve noon? What if the sellers work night work? What am I going to do? Good at their job? <laughs> I mean, be all realistic. Right, all right. All right. Yeah, these some of these agents are just you know. Can we do whatever. the next question? Go ahead. My husband and I own an apartment, and we are considering turning it into a condominium. Can you give us any advice as to how about going to do this? It's a little complicated. I would, it's a lot I would complicated. Have, yeah, I would maybe get a lawyer involved with this because you're going to have to come up with condominium docs. Uh, you're gonna, there's going to be tons of rules. I mean, you can. There's templates out there and all the condo associations. I don't know if you ever, uh, if the audience ever saw a condo doc, but they're pretty thick, and hardly anybody ever reads them. Yeah, that's true. Uh, like I, I always ask the condo association, is there anything really important that I need to know in here? Because, you know, on page 222, it says no showers after 11 p.m. <laughs> you know, so like you want to know that one. Right. You know, because I don't get home till 12. So, but like it's a little complicated. I have a friend that did one in uh, Fairmount, three-story one, and he turned the three apartments into a condo association. Now there's condos due 
every condo uh, fee due every month, but he takes care of the maintenance of the property. There's advantages and disadvantages, but it's pretty complicated, and you might need some legal advice on. You're definitely going to need legal advice. Yeah. All right. Next Next question is, what do I, what should I do if I have a bad real estate agent or realtor and I want to make a complaint? First thing I would do is have a heart to heart with this realtor. Second, if I don't get the correct answer there, then I would want to talk to the realtor's broker before I go filing a complaint. Because let me just give you a fact. If you file a complaint again, the real estate commission in Pennsylvania, It'll probably be about a year before they get back to you. <laughs> I mean, they're they're not in a race. There's no, you know, by the time they show up, you forget what the hell the damn complaint was about. I I filed one my one complaint in my whole career, and when the guy finally called me up about it a year later, I had to, he had to remind me what the hell the damn complaint was about. I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. So you can go to the real estate commission. You can. Which I I don't I don't agree with, but you can file a complaint against a realtor anonymously, which I don't think is right. If you're going to file a complaint, you should have the guts to put your name on it. But I would go to the broker first. If I don't get a, my answer there, then maybe you file a complaint, maybe a lawyer up, but try to avoid court. You know, at all point, at all, you never want to go to court. Right. Because that's a roll of the dice. You may might think you have the best case in the world, but that judge had a bad morning, and you're all thinking you're going to win, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, the spotlight's on you. <laughs> <laughs> Been there, done that. Yep. What's the next one? The next question is, do I have to tell the mortgage company that I am renting? Ah, screw that, man. Just rent oh it out. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it actually says in your mortgage docs, if you rent your apartment, if you rent your property out, you're supposed to notify them. Correct? Right. Correct. I was, For I was sure. joking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that is it for all of our questions. Um, and just, you have to tell your mortgage company. I mean, if it's an investment property, obviously no, but you know, if you purchase that property and you signed on the dotted line stating that this is going to be your primary residence, then you need to let them know. But again, those are questions that, you know, we can help you walk through as well. So, all right. They were good questions. So with that, you're listening to Good News from Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All positive all the time. We'll be right back. Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland is proudly being provided by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more in a moment, but first, a message from one of our home team partners, Green Tree Mortgage. How much do you qualify for? Ask Deanne now at mortgagemom.net. All right, welcome back to Good News from Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive, all the time. So we're at the end. So, Mark, we are up to our topic of the day, which is 10 myths buyers and sellers believe in the current market. And there's a lot of myths out there. And the current marketplace makes sellers think that they have you know, won the lottery and cash out according to the, their timing and their terms. However... They're a little confused about where to go. And that's one of the big objections I'm hearing from everybody. What if I sell my house? Where am I going to go? Well, in reality, you're going to find one. You know, buyers, on the other hand, have felt 
defeat it many times before they start it. Some people make too many offers. They get fed up. They start sitting on the sidelines. Then they get back in, you know, and wait for things to ease. The card market is challenging. There's no doubt about it for both buyers and sellers in different ways. Well, what are the myths sellers and buyers believe most and how you bring them back to reality? Myth number one, sellers think that there's no preparation required. They, you know, they don't think they have to bother to do much, get their home ready. They think it should be sold after a few hours or a couple of days. Uh, why bother since they don't have any competition at all? Incorrect. Buyers still want to see a home that's clean, beautifully furnished, which helps inspire confidence. You know, first impressions. Unless the property is being marketed as a teardown or a full rehab and a home that looks dirty or messy or poorly maintained, it could cost sellers money with fewer and less aggressive offers. Instead of being the day one hit that everybody wants, the home may fall behind in the market. Now, if you're advertising this thing for a really high price and it needs a big time rehab, it's going to sit. And so the property sitting on the market for more than a few days can feel like a serious problem. Also, homes that had just been put on the market may have to be renegotiated with the buyer after the contract signed, as the next buyer had made it some problems. Seller number two, no crazy asking prices. In addition to not having the properly prepared home, sellers are fighting desperately to set overly ambitious asking prices. And I'm noticing on Facebook a lot now that some sellers are coming to their senses and I'm seeing price reductions. And these agents are advertising, you know, if you shoot for the moon, you know, and there's an old saying, if you shoot for the moon, at least you hit the stars. But it's like, you got to price them. They got to appraise. So if the house is really worth two and a quarter and you're asking 375, you know, somebody might offer you 375, but is it going to appraise? So I think you're better off having a really good appraiser and making reason you know make price it reasonably that it's going to work out because the one that you're buying is going to appreciate that 10 to 20 percent in this market so you know you can always you're splitting the baby in a way you're you're going to maybe you get less on your sale but you're going to make it up on that next buy in one year in appreciation at least yep you're right yeah miss sour checking after closing is free and guaranteed as the seller you may be able to negotiate with buyers to stay in your home after your time and the terms are over. This is happening because sellers put their house on the market and sells right away, and they didn't and they didn't think in advance to be looking. I'll wait till the house sells and then I'll go looking. Well, now they don't have any place to go, so they're negotiating with the buyers to stay in this house for a while until they find something. Some lenders will generally allow a seller to remain in a house up to 60 days after closing, but that depends on the mortgage companies. Anything beyond that could result in a property being considered an investment property and possibly charging the buyer a higher interest rate. Right. As a result, additional complications can arise in them obtaining homeowner's insurance because they don't own a house. For the buyer and potential risk, what if they set the house on fire? There's all kinds of liability issues. You know, what if somebody trips on a payment and uh, gets hurt and they want to sue the sellers and the sellers aren't the, you know, they're not even living there. They're not the new owners. Buyers are already taking some huge risk when buying a property in terms of offers and terms, but agreeing allows sellers to live in a former home for months at no cost to them 
may make it harder to sell as they go. And as the market begins, begins to change. Number four, selling as is, is easy. This as is thing is I a know, big it drives in, you in nuts. Reality, <laughs> in reality, they're all as is. When you get to the table, it's as is. Advertising a house, being sold as is, all that does is make people, buyers think, there's something wrong with it. So you might your house might be in immaculate condition, but you don't want to do any repairs because you're tired of this house. The reason that's why you're selling it. Like most people that are selling an old car ain't going to paint it first. They're just going <laughs> to sell it because they're done. Right. So by putting as is in the advertisement, they're automatically going to think there's something wrong with it. So that's that's not a helpful thing. I don't, I don't understand it. Uh, five, buyers must let go of the unexpected. Many sellers have become accustomed to unexpected situations in which the buyer drops theirs. Uh, buyer drops there's something in the market. Different buyers have different risk of tolerance for this. The biggest deal of someone's life has already caused a lot of anxiety, not to mention the risks of the unexpected, like abandoning inspections, appraisals, financing. You know, you can scare off some buyers by saying you can't do home inspections and stuff like that. So sellers need to recognize the fact that the buyer at least don't want to give up checking for contingencies. They may come up with a time frame to limit inspections other contingencies, but it's not normal to expect they have to give them all up. Like, I would not buy a house without a termite inspection. Like, if I gave up everything else and bought a home warranty, I'm getting a termite inspection. Sure. Because if that house is loaded, you got a You're problem. You're in big trouble, yeah. Yeah, and it, so we'll have to finish up. I got the five. We'll do the other rest of them next, next week. All right, that sounds great. All right. All right, Mark, so we are up to our topic of the day with Dr. Abelson. And it is the continuing series of Rules to Flourish as a High-Bred Work Team. How are you, Dr. Abelson? I'm doing grand. How are you guys doing? We're no, doing what's the weather fabulous. Like? What's the weather like in Texas? Oh, it's hot. I'm looking right now. It's 91 degrees, uh, and uh, but it's clear and it hasn't rained for a while. I, I think if we hit 100, I think this is something like two weeks in a row. Where yeah, you need some 100. rain down there. All right, so that let's get nice. into this continuing series. So where are we at? Well, uh, there's two more areas that I want to cover. And this one is a kind of interesting one because a lot of people think that if your team is really, really cohesive, it's constructive. But sometimes having too much cohesiveness where people get along too well is destructive because what happens is you don't – somebody's – people – self-censor. They don't bring things up that should be brought up for making effective decisions, et cetera, et cetera. So, and, and that is especially difficult and a terrible thing to happen when you have a hybrid work team because you can't even see the nonverbal cues uh, frequently as far as what's going on. So you really need to be concerned about having a group that's too cohesive. Like a click. A click, uh, you know, and it could be a positive click. It can be a negative click. But but anything where, where people are kind of like protecting each other and, and right. if somebody brings on something negative, you know, about somebody else or brings some negative information, what happens is they start rationalizing. No, that's, you know, we don't want to go there, you know, type of thing. Yeah, I mean, all that kind of stuff affects your culture. So you don't want that kind of stuff going on in your on your team. 
Right. And so, so basically what happens if you, if you have too much cohesion in a group, what you want to do is you actually want to want to promote somebody to come and start questioning and start challenging what's going on. So, so, and, and if we want to get back into the disc, what you want to do is you want to go to that person who's, who's the most cynical, which would be your C, you know, and say, well, what are your thoughts on this? To, uh, to bring them out. And then, and then when they bring those thoughts, make sure people don't attack them. And, and so, so you, reinforce those thoughts and you say well how does it how do other people react to this or how can we build on this or what can we learn from this you know those types of questions that are going to bring it out so people are really challenging and questioning a decision before it's made it's cool yeah i always used to tell my teams that you know listen i'm willing to listen to any idea not all ideas are good ideas i don't that's right every idea i get is not a good idea that's right but if you, but if you're a good leader, if you're a good leader, well, I, it happens with me with my teachers all the time. They get together and they're mostly S's and C's. I got a couple of D's and I's, but most of them are S's and C's. And they're expecting me, Mister Warm and Fuzzy, to come in there, high yeah. D, and tell them what's going to happen. And I don't right. do that. I come in and say I have a couple of things I got to bring up, and that's all right to have an agenda. But then I turned it over to them, and what should we do? And I don't want them to be shy. And they right. can give me bad ideas. Like, you yeah. know, not all ideas are good ideas. But if, you, if you're the other way and everybody's sitting with their arms crossed waiting for you just to dictate, you're not getting anywhere. Plus, you're no, going to probably and- lose money. On, you're you're going to leave money on the table. Well, you're, and you're going to cause problems and all kinds of issues. If people are interested and want more information on this and had implemented on their team, all they have to do is contact us at www.abelson.net, right? And then contact us. We'd be delighted to talk with you. We give you some free advice as well as possibly work with you on a more extensive basis. Very awesome. Good. All right. Very good. Thank you, Dr. A. And if you have any questions, you can email them to Mark at 8029 at Comcast.net or give him a call at 267-266-5501. You can also email me at dnkatsaris at Comcast.net or give me a call at 609-605-7153. A special announcement this week. Good News in Real Estate has been on the on the air for 13 years. We'll be on the air 14 years come October. We are lo- looking for two to three more sponsors to join our team. I have a great package for you. It's not that expensive. It's a great tax write-off. You'll get commercials during the week, plus on our show. Just give me a call at 267-266-55 and 1. I'll explain it to you. Thanks to our sponsors now and our listeners that call me, that listen every week. And we'll see you next Saturday at 1 o'clock. With that, have a great week. I'm Mark Cumberland. I'm Deanne Katsaris, your mortgage mom. You've been listening to Good News in Real Estate, and it is good news. On Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive, all the damn time. That's great. Thanks for listening to Good News in Real Estate, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded.